For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The Themes of Sukkot. This is part two of the series. There is a connection with Yom Kippur and Sukkot. In the Art Scroll Sukkot on pages 26 and 27, it makes commentary on this association. The connection between the Days of Awe, that is Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, and Sukkot is based on more than their calendar proximity. Our sages in the various Midrashim point out that Sukkot flows naturally from the cleansing and ennobling process of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Only one who has cleansed himself through repentance is capable of being imbued with the message of faith and the joy of fulfillment represented by Sukkot. It would seem that Sukkot belongs not only to the cycle of the three pilgrimage festivals, but also to the cycle of repentance and atonement, because you can only have the fulfillment and the joy of walking in the ways of the God of Israel when your sins are forgiven. Now let's see the association with forgiving the sin of the golden calf and the construction of the tabernacle. In the Art Scroll Sukkot on page 27, it is written, Vilna Gaon in his commentary to the Song of Solomon chapter 1 verse 2 explains that the date of Sukkot is very closely connected to the appearance of the clouds of glory. When Israel sinned by building the golden calf, it became unworthy of having the clouds of glory. Moses spent 40 days in prayer pleading the case to the God of Israel for the people who made the golden calf. Finally, ultimately, on the 10th of Tishrei, the date that would later become Yom Kippur, Moses descended from Mount Sinai with the second tablet. On the next day, the children of Israel were asked to contribute to the building of the tabernacle. It was on the 15th of Tishrei of the 7th month that construction of the tabernacle began, and it was then the clouds of glory returned. The clouds of glory that accompanied Israel 
came about through repentance and rededication from the sin of the golden calf. Sin banished the clouds, but repentance brought them back. This is written, and this commentary is made in the Art Scroll on Sukkot on page 28. Sukkot is known as the season of our joy. In Leviticus chapter 23, verses 39 and 40, it is written, Also, in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And you shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, the branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. Sukkot is also associated with rejoicing, as we can see in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 13 through 15, as it is written. You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days, after you have gathered in your corn and your wine, and you shall rejoice in the feast, you and your son and your daughter and your manservant and your maidservant and the Levite, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are within your gate. Seven days you shall keep a solemn feast unto the Lord your God in the place which the Lord shall choose, because the Lord your God shall bless you in all your increase and all the works of your hands. Therefore you shall surely rejoice. The reason for the rejoicing and a reason why Sukkot is associated with the season of our joy is because Sukkot is associated with completing the task in being obedient and doing the will of of the God of Israel. In the art scroll Ashkenaz Sidor, the prayer book, it is written, As we have seen, the three pilgrimage festivals form a progression from the birth of the nation on Passover to the assumption of its mission on Shavuot to the successful completion of its task on Sukkot. This comes from the art scroll Ashkenazi prayer book on Sukkot. Sukkot is known as the Feast of Dedication. Solomon dedicated the first temple during Sukkot. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it is written, Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes and the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel unto King Solomon in Jerusalem that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto King Solomon at the feast in the month Ethanim, which is the seventh month. Then, regarding this event, we are told in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 8 through 10, also at the same time Solomon kept the feast seven days, and all Israel with him, a very great congregation from the entering in of Hamath unto the river of Egypt. And in the eighth day they made a solemn assembly, for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. Then on the twenty-third day of the seventh month, which is the conclusion of the eighth day, he sent the people away into their tent, glad Add and merry in heart, Sukkot is known as the season of our joy, for the goodness that the Lord had shown unto David and to Solomon and to Israel, his people. It was at this time with the dedication of the temple that the glory of the God of Israel filled the temple. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 6 and verses 10 and 11, it is written, And the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place, into the oracle of the house, to the most holy place, even under the wings of the chair. 
cherubim. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Notice the glory of the Lord fills a completed task. The reign of Solomon foreshadowed the Messianic era. The completion of the building of the temple and the glory of God filling the temple is a foreshadowing of the Messianic era because the Messianic era is associated with completing of the restoration of the tabernacle of David and that will accompany the glory of the God of Israel filling the earth as the waters cover the sea. In 1 Kings chapter 4 verses 20 and 21 and verse 24 it is written, Judah and Israel were many as the sand which is by the sea and multitude eating and drinking and making merry. And Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river under the land of the Philistines and under the border of Egypt. They brought presents and they served Solomon all the days of his life. For he had dominion over all the region on this side the river from Tephzah even unto Azah over all the kings on this side of the river and he had peace on all sides round about him. Continuing on in 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 29, 31 and 34 it is written, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceedingly much and largeness of heart even as the sand that is on the seashore. For he was wiser than all men than Ethan the Eshrahite and Haman and Halakol and Darda the sons of Mahal and his fame was in all nations round about. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. A idiom associated with the messianic age is being under the vine and the fig tree. In 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 25 it says and Judah and Israel dwelt safely every man under his vine and under his fig tree from Dan to Beersheba all the days of Solomon. In Micah chapter 4 verse 2 and verse 4 we can see the association with the messianic era in dwelling under your vine and fig tree. It is written and many nations shall come and say come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us of his ways we will walk in his hands for the Torah shall go forth of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem but they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree and none shall make them afraid for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it so looking at the characteristics of the reign of Solomon which foreshadows the messianic era we are told that Solomon reigned over kingdom first Kings chapter 4 verses 21 and 24 Yeshua is going to reign over the whole earth during the messianic era. Solomon ruled in peace around him. 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 24. Yeshua is going to rule and reign where there will be worldwide peace during the Messianic era. Solomon's wisdom was greater than all people on the earth. 1 Kings chapter 4 verses 30 and 31. The wisdom of Yeshua will be greater than any king on the earth when he's teaching the Torah from Jerusalem. The kings of the earth brought presents to Solomon and served him. 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 21. The kings of the earth will bring presents to Yeshua and they'll come up to Jerusalem. Many people came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 34. Once again, the kings of the earth and the people of the earth will come to Jerusalem to be taught the Torah by Yeshua during the Messianic era. Israel and Judah dwelt safely. 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 25. During the Messianic era, Israel and Judah will dwell safely with Yeshua the Messiah. And Israel and Judah dwelt under the vine and the fig tree. 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 25. We can see how the Messianic age is associated with under the fig tree by looking at 
Egypt. John chapter 1, verses 47 through 50, as it is written. Yeshua saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, How did you know it was me? Yeshua answered and said, Because that before that Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. He said, How did you know it was me? He says, Well, I saw you under a fig tree. So Nathanael knew that the fig tree, being under the fig tree, is associated with the Messianic era. So if Yeshua saw him in the Messianic era, Nathanael said, You must be the Messiah. So Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Yeshua answered and said unto him, Because I said unto you, I saw you under a fig tree, is that why you believe? I will even show you greater things than this. Sukkot is associated with the Feast of All Nations. In Numbers chapter 29, verses 12 and 13, and verse 17 and verse 20, it is written, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, that is the beginning of Sukkot, you shall have a holy convocation, you shall do no servile work, and you shall keep a feast under the Lord seven days. And you shall offer a burnt offering, a sacrifice made by fire of a sweet savor under the Lord. Thirteen young bullocks are offered on day one. And on the second day you shall offer twelve bullocks. On the third day, eleven bullocks. Then in Numbers chapter 29, verses 23, 26, 29, and verse 32, it is written, The fourth day of Sukkot, ten bullocks. The fifth day, nine bullocks. The sixth day, eight bullocks. The seventh day, seven bullocks. The total number of bullocks offered during Sukkot is seventy. Thirteen plus twelve plus eleven plus ten plus nine plus eight plus seven. So these seventy bullocks are associated with the seventy nations that are described following the flood that happened in the days of Noah. In the Art Scroll Sukkot on page 47, it is written, During temple times, in addition to the regular daily sacrifices, the wine libation and water libations were offered each day of Sukkot, as described in Numbers chapter 29. The total number of oxen offered throughout the festival came to 70, corresponding to the 70 nations who descended from Noah and who were the ancestors of all the nations of the world. We can see how the 70 bullocks are associated with the 70 nations from Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 8, Exodus chapter 1 verse 5, and then Genesis chapter 10 verse 1 and verse 32 as it is written. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. What's this number of the children of Israel? We're told in Exodus chapter 1 verse 5, and all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. So he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. This is 70 when they went into Egypt, and this is going to correspond with the 70 nations that are mentioned following the flood in the days of Noah. Genesis chapter 10, verse 1 and verse 32. Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and unto them were sons born after the flood. These are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations and their nations, and by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. Sukkot is the feast of all nations. In Zechariah chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, we are told that during the Messianic era, all nations will be required to come to Jerusalem to keep the feast of tabernacles. As it is written, it will come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship 
the king the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. Why is the punishment no rain? Because Sukkot is the season that's associated with rain. So if you don't celebrate the feast, your punishment is you don't get what the reward of the feast is. Sukkot is associated with water, or there was a water libation ceremony that took place in the first centuries. We're told about this in the art scroll on Sukkot on page 59. It says, apart from the daily and festival sacrifices offered in the temple during Sukkot, most of which were accompanied by an offering of fine flour mixed with oil and a libation of wine, the height of the season's joy was expressed through and during a libation of water. Among the many reasons offered for this ceremony is that on Sukkot, which is the beginning of the rainy season in the land of Israel, judgment is passed in regard to the rainfall that is made at this time. As explained in the Yad Avraham commentary to Art Scroll Mishnah Sukkot 4.9, this special water libation was performed only during the seven days of Sukkot. The seven days of Sukkot, water was poured simultaneously with the wine libation in conjunction with the daily burnt offering. This water pouring was performed only in the morning, and this is mentioned in the Talmud in Yoma 26b. The water libation is not specifically mentioned and commanded in the Torah. However, it is alluded to. How is Sukkot alluded to water in the Torah? Well, in Numbers chapter 29, it describes the additional sacrifices for Sukkot, and the Torah inserts extra letters that spell the word Mayim, or water, in Hebrew. In verse 19, describing the additional offering of the second day, the Torah uses the phrase, their libation, rather than it libation, which is the expression that is used for all the other days of Sukkot. Thus, there is an extra mem there. For the sixth day, the Torah uses her libation, verse 31, providing an extra yod. And in verse 33, describing the seventh day, the Torah uses the word where you will find an extra mem. So these extra letters form the word mayim or water in allusion to Sukkot and its association with water and thus the water libation service in the temple. And this is mentioned in the Talmud and Tani to be. The libation of water was a ceremony to which great importance was attached. As recorded in the Mishnah and Sukkah chapter 4, a golden pitcher holding three lugim was filled by a Kohen with water from the Shiloh and brought into the temple through the water gate while the shofar was sounded. The water was then poured simultaneously with a wine libation into bowls atop the altar, one bowl for water and the other for wine. The water and wine mingled as they flowed through tubes under the bowls leading to the underground passage to a deep place. This celebration of the water libation is known as the Beit HaShoivah. The festivities associated with the drawing of the water for the libation on Sukkot were the high point of the festival. These festivities, as Rashi explains, were in the fulfillment of the verse from Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3, and you shall draw forth water with gladness or joy. The name given to these festivities was the Samhat Beit HaShoivah, or the rejoicing of the place of the water drawing. So intense were the festivities associated with water drawing that the sages in the Mishnah are quoted as saying, whoso 
whosoever did not see the rejoicing of the Beit HaShoevah never saw rejoicing in his lifetime. In the Art Scroll Sukkot, pages 61 and 62, it continues, Moses, Maimonides, the Rambam, in the laws concerning the Lulav, describes these festivities. What was the procedure? On the eve of the first day of the festival, an upper section was prepared in the temple for women and a lower section for men to ensure that the sexes did not mix. Rejoicing began at the termination of the first day of the festival. On each day of Kohamoed, it began after the regular Tamid afternoon sacrifice had been offered and went on for the rest of the day and all of the following night. What form did this rejoicing take? Fives were sounded. They played harp, lyres, and cymbals. Whoever could play a musical instrument did so, and whoever could sing, sang. Others would stamp their feet, slap their thighs, clap their hands, leap or dance, each one to the best of his ability, while they recited songs and hymns of praise. However, this rejoicing did not override the Sabbath or the first day of the festival. Only the great scholars in Israel, heads of the yeshivas, members of the Sanhedrin, elders and men distinguished for their piety and good deeds, only these danced and clapped, made music and rejoiced in the temple during the festival of Sukkot. All others, men and women, came to watch and listen. So Sukkot is associated with water and the rejoicing over water and Yeshua is the living waters. In John chapter 4 verse 11 and verses 13 and 14 it is written, The woman said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. From where then has you the living water? Yeshua answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, bringing up into everlasting life. In John chapter 8, verse 3 and verse 7 and 8, we are told about a woman who was caught in adultery, and it is recorded these words. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And then Yeshua stooped down and he wrote on the ground. What did Yeshua write on the ground and what is he referring to? He's making a reference back to Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 12 through 14 which says, A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope, the mikvah, the immersion bath of Israel. All that forsake you shall be ashamed. And what do they do in John 8? They walked away. And when they walked away, he wrote on the ground. He's making a reference to Jeremiah 7 verse 13. All that forsake you shall be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. And it says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. So he was telling them, You're not believing in me. You're departing in me. You are departing from the fountain of living waters. Sukkot is known as the festival of light. How is this so? It tells us in the Talmud in Sukkah 51b that at the conclusion of the first festival day of Sukkot, they would descend to the court of the women in the temple where they had made a great improvement. There were golden candelabra there, each one with four golden beakers at the top. Four ladders were placed at each candelabrum. There were four youths from among the young Kohanim and in 
their hands pitchers of oil containing 120 lugim, which they emptied into each of the beakers. From worn out trousers of the priestly garments and from their girdles, they would tear strips of cloth for wicks, and with these they would kindle the candelabra. And there was not a single courtyard in Jerusalem that did not shine. Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, the themes of Sukkot. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.